What's up, everybody? It's Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. You know, new year, new year for us on the show, new year for the Cincinnati Bengals, and we'll talk some about the changes that they're going through this year. Uh, some big announcements over the past week that they have made, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with this team. We're going to talk about that. Hope Again, I'm Anthony Cazenza. Happy to have you with us, and uh, let's let's get rolling through some headlines. What do you think? Should we do it? Go through some headlines here. Uh, as you know, the water cooler chat is about going through the, the news around the Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC North and the NFL. So you can talk amongst your friends, your family, all the, all the people you like to talk football with your, your Twitter folks. We did a little research for you, a little, little reading for you. So you can uh, sound like a smart, Guy or gal, when you're talking some some pigskin with your colleagues. Let's start, and a lot of this stuff is going to be on CincyJungle.com, so hopefully you have seen this. Let's start with some, why not, some Joe Burrow news. Let's do it. Good news here. As of yesterday, Joe Burrow is back working out with teammates. He is getting workouts in. Uh, obviously very light as he continues to rehab, but he is working out with some teammates. Um, and this is, uh, there is a report from James Rapine of all Bengals and his team over through sports illustrated, but, um, he was working out with Drew sample, Akeem Davis Gaither and, uh, doing some, doing some stuff. So, you know, obviously again, it's going to be very light work for him, but he is hitting rehab hard and, uh, getting that knee back in shape for week one of 2021. So good for him. Hopefully there's no setbacks there. It sounds like everything's been on track so far based on some interviews he has done with the media. So um, good to see him back out there working hard as expected by Joe Burrow. Speaking of more Joe Burrow news, guy just continues to impress in terms of off-field stuff. He is auctioning off some signed cleats. And, of course, donating more money to the, the Athens County Food Pantry. Um, he That is a charity near and dear to his heart. So he is continuing to do community work even when he's rehabbing and obviously becoming a professional athlete. Just continues. Here's here's these, uh, these cleats here. If you want them, they're a signed pair, and they are specialty by Joe Burrow. It's via his Twitter account. You can see those. Um, he is going to, uh, you can see, unfortunately, he wasn't able to wear these cleats on the field, but I'm proud to support the Athens County Food Pantry and all of the incredible work they do. So these were the ones, you know, when you, when you do the My Cleats, My Purpose thing um, that, that athletes do to support a cause, you can see these were the ones he was going to put out there. And unfortunately, because he got hurt, he wasn't able to wear them. So um, he is auctioning them off, and then the proceeds are going to the Athens County Food Pantry. Good stuff by Joe Burrow just continues to be a presence in the community and a great, great representative for the Cincinnati Bengals. And that is just one of many, many reasons as to why the Bengals drafted him going forward. This one here, you've probably seen this. Look, there's a lot of talk. Hopefully you caught our mock draft that we did on the orange and black insider. It was uh, three picks. 
And with it, Panay Sewell fell to us at number five overall. Well, you know, there's there's a little bit of discrepancy as to who the top offensive tackle is in this year's class. A lot of people think it's Panay Sewell. A lot of people think it's this gentleman right here that Jeremiah uh, mocked to the Bengals, Daniel Jeremiah of NFL.com mocked to the Bengals in his recent mock, Northwestern's Rashawn Slater. Um, he is rising up draft boards. And, you know, I think part of the reason is he's played very well, obviously played well this last year. And then, you know, we didn't get to see Sewell this last year. So that, you know, may be shying away from some people. But Slater seems to be the real deal. So he is a guy that Daniel Jeremiah picked for him. And you know what? You know, Sewell was there and he had Sewell fall all the way to 10 uh, to the Cowboys, I believe, in his mock. Um, but he did write Sewell could go as high as number three overall to the Dolphins. Um, he just believes the Bengals will choose Slater over Sewell if it comes down to that choice. The other thing that it could come down to, and we discussed this on our last Orange and Black Insider podcast episode, is the element of wide receiver. I saw someone, I, I forget uh, forget who, I apologize, I didn't get to see it. I saw something come through about, uh, you know, who are they going to take at number yeah, it's Michael Jordan two right there. Michael Jordan the second. If not Chase at five, who um, you know it's gonna it could be Rashawn Slater if Panay Sewell's there or vice versa. Um, if you if you listen to our argument, John Sheeran and myself, it was it came if it came down to Devonte Smith or Jamar Chase, I think we both were in agreement that Chase would have been the better pick for the Bengals. We'll see what they end up doing there going forward. Hey. Seeing a lot, I didn't even get to say hi specifically to a lot of people. I see Nate Kane saying hey, Mark Barbieri saying hey, uh, Josh Holland saying hey. Good to see everybody. Good to see everybody. Um, David Adcock, how how you doing? Good to see everybody. Let's keep it rolling though. Uh, this is a there's a slight bit of outdated uh, an outdated element to this piece of news. Um, because later today, or a little bit earlier today, and later from when this was posted, the Steelers have actually uh, filled the uh, offensive coordinator position with Matt uh, Matt Canada. Uh, so, but Hugh Jackson surprisingly interviewed for the open offensive coordinator position. Pittsburgh got rid of their offensive coordinator and battled coach Randy Fickner is gone. Um, did not seem to gel with not only the fans, but, uh, you know, some of the players, especially when the Steelers lost five of their last six games, including the postseason loss to the Browns at home. Um, Fickner kind of became the, the scapegoat, if you will. But Hugh Jackson interviewed for that job, and it uh, ultimately did not get it. But very interesting piece of news there that, that Hugh Jackson ended up getting a, getting a shot, getting a look there in Pittsburgh. This is, uh, uh, Hey, it's, it's minor news, but it's also points to something potentially down the road here. So Bengals give out the top signing bonus to a long snapper, Dan Godsell. And that name should sound familiar. He's been around the past couple of off off seasons, um, and hung around here. The Bengals have Clark Harris, a guy who has made a Pro Bowl in the past, a guy who is very valuable. He is 37 years old, and this might be a sign that the Bengals, and he is an impending free agent, by the way, this this season. So this might be a sign that Godsell's the player they're going to maybe move into here 
you know, Darren Simmons really likes continuity. That's why he's kept kind of that battery, especially with, with Bullock recently of Bullock, Huber, and, um, and Clark Harris there. But there might be some moves in, you know, it could be at kicker with Randy Bullock. He might be out of a job. And uh, believe it or not, it could be Clark Harris based on this move here. So it's, it's kind of a minor move at this point in the the offseason but it is worth noting depending you know based on who is on the roster and and i guess not on the roster going forward and you can see here the um the largest signing bonuses the Bengals had uh the third highest to a long snapper you see the others were top two were corners and then of course you've got a tight end and then believe it or not a punter for the Eagles. So um, God soul coming in number three overall in terms of signing bonuses to futures contracts. So pretty interesting piece of news there, especially as it goes forward for the, spe- the special teams unit for the Cincinnati, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. This one, we've kind of done different variations of this, but this is from ESPN. It's on cincyjungle.com, but this is from ESPN, their list of top 50 free agents. Three Bengals make it, and you see the list here. Surprising to some, A.J. Green is number 22. Apparently, a lot of people believe that he still has some good football left in him, despite what we saw this year. I mean, there were moments where he had a couple of good games and others where he just was not on the same page with his wide receivers and or just unable to haul in plays. Uh, It was just kind of a mess when it came to A.J. Green this year. There just wasn't a lot of cohesion with he and or the uh, multiple quarterbacks that played. Um, he had a couple of good games, but that was about it for AJ Green going forward. Um, and and now he is set to be a free agent. A lot of people believe he is not going to return to Cincinnati. Um, just too hefty of a price tag. Maybe if there's some sort of rental deal and the Bengals don't get what they want in terms of maybe a younger wide receiver in free agency, or they are not so inclined to go at, uh, with a wide receiver in the top rounds because they grabbed T Higgins in the top of the second. Maybe they use him as a bridge bridge year guy this year. We'll see, but um, you know most indications have AJ Green not returning. We'll see what happens with William Jackson and Carl Lawson, though. Uh, you know those are two guys that I think a lot of people would like to see back on the Bengals' defense. If they lose those guys, you know, along with William Jackson being an impending free agent, so is Mackenzie Alexander, and then you know you've got some you've got some issues there if you end up losing both of those guys. Um, you know, you've now got Trey Wayne's coming back, which would be, which would be a nice help. But the point I think was specifically last year to have that trio Jackson Wayne's and Mackenzie Alexander on the field quite often and have a really formidable secondary. And they never really got to do that because Jackson was out for a couple of games. Wayne's was out the entire year. Mackenzie Alexander missed a couple of games. So, um, you know, I, I think if the Bengals are to, you know, have a, a at least a, a an improved defense, getting Jackson back, potentially Mackenzie Alexander back, who I think played pretty well for the most part this past year. And then they're going to need edge help. They're going to need edge help. And if Lawson goes, Lawson isn't the guy that's getting, you know, 15 sacks a year, like, the, like you know, a, a TJ Watt per se, but he's a guy who is causing an immense amount of pressures, an immense amount of quarterback hits and opening things up for other edge rushers on the Cincinnati Bengals. So he needs to, you know, if they resign him, I, I think they, that's a need for sure. They need to resign him, but they also need to probably get some more edge help, whether it's a high profile free agent or a, a top pick, one of the top picks in the draft here in these first couple of rounds, they'll need to address edge defender and, and pass rushers this year. 
This one, I think most people know by now, but the Cincinnati Bengals now are, they're changing uniforms. They're changing the uniforms, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but they are going to keep the same helmet. Mike Brown, he is willing to change on the uniforms, but he is not willing to change the helmets. I, I think there's a quote here, um, right here. You can see it right towards the bottom middle of the screen here my, from Mike Brown. Quote, my father said he wanted a helmet that would take just one look to recognize us from the top seat in the stadium. I think our helmet has stood the test of time. It has established our identity, our trademark, if you will, and that's important to our fans. So uh, the it's unclear yet as to what these – uniforms will look like i i assume they're going to be unveiled before the draft so that their new draft picks will be donning the new you know the new jerseys at at photo ops and all that kind of stuff so uh it, it's a little unclear as to what specifically they'll look like there are a lot of interesting mock-ups by graphic designers and all kinds of people that pride themselves on um, being photoshop pros i mean i am not one so if i had if i had photoshop skills ladies and gentlemen i would throw that out to you, but I don't, but there are some good ones out there. There's some very interesting ones out there. Uh, a lot of people seem to want and or think that the Bengals will go a little more old school, a little more muted in terms of the striping and all that kind of stuff. We'll see what happens, but, um, you know, they, uh, they, they're, they're set to change them. They're set to change them. It would be nice if they brought into rotation. You heard Ken Anderson on our little intro there. It'd be nice to bring into rotation that old school, you know, the, the pumpkin helmet with the, the old school unis, that'd be kind of cool, at least for one game, you know, um, maybe tweak the the quote-unquote color rush, even though it's just white and black. Tweak that one a little bit, see it, see if you can get, you know, pretty creative with that. A uh, lot of neat design possibilities. And, you know, it's just a lot of people think it's overdue. A lot of people think, you know, I, I guess you could argue that. But I think just based, actually, I, I kind of had this thought, the other day that, you know, based on what has transpired for this franchise since the end of the 2015 season, that playoff game against Pittsburgh, I think, you know, you just maybe want to turn the page and try and hit the reset button. Um, you know, you're excited about Joe Burrow. You're excited about T Higgins. You are not excited that Joe Burrow got hurt and ended his season prematurely last year. Just kind of signals a fresh start a little bit. So I think that that would be, you know, it's a good move by the Bengals and um, hopefully that it's with it comes increased success. Of course, that is, um, that is the hope I see here. Lakers fan since 86 has hope the jerseys are more like organs. Which one? <laughs> there's, there's so many variations of the Oregon football jerseys. It's, it's incredible. So um, David Adcox says, bring back the tiger. Yeah, I I, I, I like the leaping tiger. I actually like the tiger face of, you know, the face of the leaping tiger. I wish they used that a bit more. That was my kind of my favorite logo that they that they use. And now that's kind of like a secondary or tertiary option that they use on a lot of their memorabilia and paraphernalia and stuff. I hope they hope they kind of integrate that one, integrate that one back into the lineup. Kind of bridging out of Bengals, sort of into Bengals, and into the rest of the AFC North and um, NFL news. I did mention that the the Pittsburgh Steelers, in terms of AFC North news, did interview Hugh Jackson. Um, they ended up going a different direction with Matt Matt Canada. Um, so here is a tweet from a 
someone who covers the Eagles here. I'm going to pull this up for you. Mike K. Um, quarterback and passing game coordinator Press Taylor will not be retained by the organization in 2021. The Eagles kind of made a somewhat surprising move to get rid of Doug Peterson. They kind of cleaned house a little bit there. And, uh, you know, the quarterback and passing game coordinator, Press Taylor. Well, if you're wondering who the heck Press Taylor is, that is Zach Taylor's brother. Uh, and the interesting facet of that is when uh, you may have heard me speak about this a little bit, but when Zach Taylor was with the LA Rams under Sean McVay, there were specific, pa- there was a specific passing game coordinator and a run game coordinator. And I think still to this day, they, they employ coaches that have that designation. One of the, one of the passing game coordinators back with Zach Taylor in the Rams was actually Shane Waldron, who had interviewed with the Bengals as well uh, back with Taylor. He was one of the, the people that they interviewed for the head coaching vacancy at the time. So they uh, definitely have a value for the passing game coordinator. Now, this year, the Bengals, for the first time, when they brought back Frank Pollock, they gave him the run game coordinator designation. Now, maybe some of those responsibilities used to fall under other coaches, running backs, coaches, whatever, but it is a specific emphasis to get the run game going in Cincinnati to help Joe Burrow bring balance on the offense, play keep away a little bit, if you will, with the football. They do not have a passing game coordinator, at least not by title designation. So I guess I'm just trying to follow the trail of breadcrumbs a little bit here. I don't have, I have no idea if press Taylor is going to be brought in by his brother to the Bengals as a, in a passing game coordinator role, but I'm just kind of saying Zach Taylor is used to the passing game coordinator run game coordinator model from LA just this year. He adds a run game coordinator designation to Frank Pollock as the offensive line coach, his brother, a offensive coordinator and pass game coordinator for the Eagles becomes available. Bengals don't have a passing game coordinator coach. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Maybe it's someone that Taylor brings in to help him, you know, with the play calls and all that kind of stuff as he juggles many, many, many responsibilities with the Cincinnati Bengals. Robert Rourke, does Marvin have a shot at the Houston head coaching job? It does not seem like it because – that's a, I have this one. You look at this. King of the seg- Segway, Robert. I love it. I love it. You, you teed me up nice here. Let's move a little bit more into NFL news. Texans to conduct second interviews with Bills defensive coordinator uh, Leslie Frazier, familiar name, Ravens assistant head coach David Coley for the head coaching job. Leslie Frazier uh, was most recently the defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, who had an outstanding season that unfortunately ended, well, unfortunately for them, I guess, ended in Kansas City last night. So they are they are out of the race, and Frazier is now uh, officially open, and these are now second interviews. So it appears that if Lewis was going to get the job in Houston, um, they would have probably given him a second Interview, and they have not done so, at least to my knowledge, and they've moved in this direction here. David Culley and Leslie Frazier are the guys that are getting the uh, head coaching, second head coaching interviews with the Texans at this point. So does it, not, it does not appear that Marvin Lewis, at least at this point, will be coaching in the NFL this season. Uh, 
let's keep it rolling here because we've got just a few more minutes. It seems to be a really interesting, and I guess I could have put an additional headline up on this one too, but a really, really weird offseason for star quarterbacks and franchises potentially looking for, for quarterbacks that have been under center for them for a number of years. The other headline I could have added to this was that Matt Stafford appears to be moving away from the Detroit Lions. The two sides have mutually agreed to, to kind of separate, I guess, this offseason. So Matt Stafford, they're, they're going to find try and find a trade suitor there. Matt Stafford will not be with the Detroit Lions as they undergo a massive change in the coaching ranks there. Um, undoubtedly, Stafford's trying to get out of there to try and get a shot at a championship before he hangs it up. And then you've got Aaron Rodgers, who also lost to Tom Brady on his home field, some questionable questionable coaching decisions and stuff in that game. Um, but Aaron Rodgers kind of had some comments that were uh, vague. Um, I don't know if you want to call them passive aggressive, whatever you want to call them. Uh, there's kind of been a little bit of chatter that he may not, for some reason, be with the Green Bay Packers next year. If you remember this year, they used a first-round pick not on players to help Aaron Rodgers on offense or defense. They used it to draft his heir apparent in Jordan Love from Utah State. So uh, this is this is a little more, I would say, opinion piece because it's by Michael Silver, who does a little bit more um, – I guess, in-depth reporting, particularly on some coaches and players that he has relationships with. He has a relationship with Aaron Rodgers from, you know, covering him in his days in Cal. Michael Silver's, relate, uh, you know, located largely in the Bay Area. He's done a lot of stuff with the Raiders when they were there. So uh, here's kind of the quote. There are a lot of guys' futures that are uncertain. Rogers told reporters, myself included, that's what's sad about it most getting this far. Obviously, there are going there's going to be an end to it at some point, whether we make it past this one or not, just not the uncertainties. Um, it's tough, tough and the finality of it. So he's not really doing much to quell any rumors about him potentially not being with the Packers next year. So that is a little bit of a whoa. <laughs> cause you to take pause a little bit to see these comments from Aaron Rodgers. And it would be, it would be very, very odd to see him not be in a green Bay uniform. You've got potentially, you know, Brady could hang it up after this year. It sounds like Drew Brees is going to hang it up after this, after leaving the playoffs this year, there's some, if you join us on last week's water cooler chat, and I don't know why you wouldn't, Jared Goff and Sean McVay appear, appear to be at odds after their playoff loss. Philip Rivers is retiring from the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, you've got Matt Stafford, I mentioned, and you've got uh, Aaron Rodgers potentially leaving the Packers. So you've got a lot of quarterback vacancies there, and it could lead, as the Bengals hold on to the number five pick, it could lead to a rush of teams trying to trade up and get a Trey Lance, a Justin Fields, um, Trevor Lawrence, you know, all these guys that are up there. I mean, obviously some of those guys will be unattainable um, at pick number one, pick number two, but you know, there's they're Zach Wilson of BYU. He's out there too. I mean, these are all guys that uh, could all very well go into the top 10 of this year's draft, maybe even top five. So the Bengals may actually be holding a pick 
that even though it would be useful to get a top offensive tackle, top edge rusher, maybe one of those wide receivers, they may be able to move back a little bit, still get a player they really like and grab a few more picks because this isn't, they don't have the hall of picks that they had in Zach Taylor's first year, 2019, where they had, you know, a multitude of picks and they, they used basically all of them. Um, I mean, they traded up to get Michael Jordan. Happy birthday, by the way, Michael Jordan of the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, they, you know, moved up to get some of these, uh, um, some of these guys. I don't remember if it was actually Michael Jordan. I know they moved up to get Ryan Finley, but at any rate, you understand my point. They had a whole bunch of picks. They used basically all of them. They made one trade, moved around, and um, you know all that stuff. It's not the same situation this year. They have a few picks, um, you know, basically one, you know, a handful of picks, and they want to remedy the roster how they can. And there's only so much money in free agency they can spend and they've got a lot of impending free agents that are important to this team. So they need to um, explore options as it comes to number five. This, this is pretty crazy stuff and it's unfortunate injury news. I don't like to end on this stuff, but it's just kind of like, wow, these guys are, when you say, when you call these guys warriors, this is why Cole Beasley, the bills wide receiver, he played in parts of the game yesterday with a broken fibula. Um, just sounds miserable. And to continue to play on that, it's pretty crazy. Cole Beasley had a uh, very nice season for the Bills, was an integral part of their offense being pretty successful. So um, and kind, kind of a, a colorful character off the field, just a, an interesting guy all around. But, man, uh, broken leg essentially as he's – I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you do that. Uh Eric Fisher, the starting tackle for the Kansas City Chiefs, he, in the game before the Super Bowl, tore tore his Achilles, and he will not be playing in the Super Bowl. Just an absolute gut punch for him, a guy who was a former top pick by the Chiefs, and, um, you know, unfortunately, he's been a good player for him. He's had, he had a couple of ups and downs early in his career, but – um, settled in at left tackle and has done well in Andy Reid's system there. And just you saw a, a point in the game yesterday where Eric Fisher was kind of sitting there crestfallen on the sideline and Andy Reid kind of quietly came up to him and said something in his ear to him. So, um, you know, pretty pretty bum deal for Eric Fisher and, and the Kansas City Chiefs. So not, not a uh, – not not some good news there. And finally, I guess we can just, in case you've been living under a rock, I kind of have been the past couple of days, to be honest with you. Um, not really, actually. But this is the playoff picture, a nice little graphic on the front page of NFL.com. I know there's some other headlines and stuff here that we've clicked on. But here's the Super Bowl. Tom Brady does it again. He gets this team, a team that had not been to the postseason, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, since, what, 07, 08? Gets them to the postseason in his first year there, and not only to the postseason, wins three, three road games to get to the big dance here. And um, you know, they beat he beats Washington in Washington. That was kind of well, foregone conclusion. Washington gave him a good fight, but that was a seven and nine football team with a backup quarterback playing, and that backup quarterback played pretty well, but uh, Tampa Bay beats beats them. Then they go to New Orleans, beats them, goes to Green Bay, beats them, 
and now is hosting Tampa Bay is hosting these the Super Bowl uh, at their own stadium there. So kind of a fairy tale deal for Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, and company. Just a, a crazy story. And look, you know, when you look at uh, Bill Belichick, still you know one of if not the greatest coaches. You can't deny that. But when you look at what Tom Brady did on going to Tampa Bay and where they're at at this moment in time and just kind of what happened with the New England Patriots. I know they had a lot of different stuff to deal with um, in terms of players opting out and obviously losing their starting quarterback and the whole thing. Uh, They, you know, it's just, you got to marvel at Tom Brady, whether you like him or not. Um, You got to marvel at what he does and continues to do with, with his talent. And um, he's now in the Super Bowl, I think for the 10th time, is this the 10th time he's going to the Super Bowl? Absolutely nuts. And Patrick Mahomes just seems to be unstoppable. So this will be interesting. A very, very good game. And two of the, the league's biggest stars at quarterback are, are uh, fighting it out. So um, good one here. Good one here. That's going to do it for the water cooler chat for this Monday. Again, I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com, the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I appreciate you all tuning in live. I appreciate you tuning in after the fact. Keep it to cincyjungle.com for all your news, opinions, analysis, all of that. Check out our podcast channel with the Orange and Black Insider that does shows like this, our weekly analysis, deep dive, interview type show on Wednesday. We do listener questions live almost every week. And of course, you've got Matt Minnick's Chalk Talk. He just had a cool interview with Joe Goodberry. Twitter favorite and uh, a guy who knows quite a bit about the Bengals in the draft. We've also got Orange is the New Black, Ace and Zim holding it down on their show as well, doing some great work. So check out their show. Leave us a review if you like what we do. We appreciate it. We'll keep bringing you a lot of different content, even through the offseason, up through free agency, the draft. So check it out, and we'll see you soon.